What's up, y'all? My name is Min. My name is Tammy. This is The, the Lightning, Lightning Rod. Rod. We are back with another segment, and as I talked about last week, today we're finally going to be talking about the creative films. I feel like we've been talking about it so much in the other episodes. There's like sneak peeks here and there. But today I want to really dive into it, just to let the audience know what we're all about. I didn't really want to make this episode one, just because I felt like it was a little narcissistic, a little pretentious. A little bit bad, and it's then a little pretentious. it was just like, I think it's going to get lost within the episodes. Um, like, say, people who hear this later yeah they don't get to hear this episode because they might have skipped episode one or something of that sort so i think it's a good mix because we'll we'll do episodes like this where we talk a little bit about the creative folks what we're working on or something of that yeah sort. for sure but like you know in the past we've talked about who we are we talked about how we met we had like uh, the cutest meeting story yeah but today i really wanted <clears throat> to talk about you know how you started this business and i know how i know you on a personal level but like you know, let's introduce yourself to the audience one more time as a business creator yeah. And as a business owner, and yeah, we're going to just talk about how you form the creative folks and where it's going next. And, you know, for other creative entrepreneurs, like what are some resources out there? What are some challenges in starting this business? And what it takes to make a business marketable. Yeah. And our audience. I think that's yeah, huge. That's a big one. Yeah. So, yeah, let's start from the let's start from the bare bones. All right. So Tammy Wynn, my Wynn twin. Let's let's do it. Let's introduce <laughs> yourself one more time to the audience yeah so my name is Tammy Wynn mm-hmm. twin wins here on the podcast um I started the creative folks in January of 2018 so it's whenever this episode releases it's probably less than or not less but more than bit, a year a little yeah. bit more than a year old um I started it basically as a blog I tell a lot of people this I started it as a blog because I wanted to show other graphic designers that freelance life so funny how our last episode was about freelancing um i wanted to tell people my horror stories or my career stories or anything like that and it kind of just transformed because i had this one person in atlanta she's one of our first writers for the creative folks as a blog she showed interest saying hey i want to write i'm a painter slash writer i want to write i want to get some experience in writing i'm like okay cool join on board and then someone from london reached out She's writing a novel, or she's writing a book, something of that. And she was like, I really want to write um, about writing. As a person who writes, I want to write the struggles of writing a book, mm-hmm. all of that. And I said, join on board, come on board. And then I saw its potential in terms of growing as a blog. So I think for some time we ran as a blog, um, where we kept recruiting writers and then started as a writer. Yep. And then it just transformed into a company where we wanted to do more than just blogs. Uh, we wanted to provide it more creative resources so we wanted to host workshops conferences networking sessions art markets um and other just little in-betweens as we're thinking on different projects so we haven't taken on any in 2018 but in 2019 that is for sure our biggest thing is just putting our name out there in terms of events because i think we built some good presence in 2018 no no for sure i think it's so cool how i see people and i'll get to this way later on but I just like, you know, a little bit of a thing that I think is so cool is I see artists at my school, they wear our company t-shirt. Oh my god, yeah, that it's is so cool. It's so cute. Like I see one of I saw one of my classmates wear our company t-shirt and I almost fainted. I'm oh like, yes, represent. Like we're out here. So okay. 
We introduced the business. But oh, man, where do you go again, just so oh, people know? Oh, yeah, like, if you didn't catch that last episode, I go to Scatalana. <laughs> I must have said this, like, three or four times Yeah, I, I just feel like it's something we might have to repeat often, because yeah. maybe people won't understand where we're coming from. Yeah, I'm a master's student there, They're so... Like, where, where, where are you coming from? Like, your face? <laughs> <laughs> where do you see people? Like, in the streets? <laughs> yeah, I see people at Scatalana, so I don't go to the main campus. I am in the heart of Atlanta. I'm a graduate student there, so that's basically what I do. For like the fourth time <laughs> but yeah um let's talk about like you know the business and let's talk more yeah. about what's going on in terms of how you started it and what are some of the biggest hurdles that you had to kind of go through I mean this is such a new business and there's yeah. so many I mean the first year is really the most trying year and you know for me I was only there on one aspect of it and my aspect of it as Tammy said, was I started off as a writer for the blog. Yeah, Mm -hmm. in the creative folks, because I had a background. My undergraduate degree was in creative writing. Mm -hmm. So I definitely had that background going in. I definitely wanted to build a portfolio still in writing. And now, you know, we switched over, obviously, where I'm now the head host and writing the Mm -hmm. podcast. Mm -hmm. So I know that side of it on that level. And we've definitely talked on a more intimate level as just friends. But I want to talk more about some of the biggest challenges with the first year, because like I said, the first year is the hardest. And I don't know the whole story, you know? Even I don't know the whole story. (laughs) Yeah, and it's not something I really share with the team because everyone is kind of to themselves. So we have a team as of right now of this episode. It may be growing after this episode releases, but um, we have a team of 10. I want to say even 11 if I'm I'm counting it right in my head. Mm -hmm. Um, 11 people. And the, we all work in different departments here. So as the lead, I'm kind of just over everybody. Min is um, Min, and I have an editor who works in editorial, which is like our blog post. Our head editor. Yeah, yeah. our head editor. Uh, they do all of the editing, uh, such as our press releases or anything like that that needs editing, that needs that third eye. That's where it goes. Uh, Min helps with the podcast. Um, and that's, that has become its own department of its yeah. own, the podcast. I'm kind of like the weird head of that. <laughs> yeah. And then we have the basic stuff. So a marketing department who handles all of the marketing, uh, in terms of press releases, art shows or anything like that. That's them. Then we have a production department who handles our merchandise, all of the artwork that you see that gets released on merchandise, um, on our Instagram, anything like that, that's production. And then we also opened a branding department. I don't know how many businesses out there have it, but as far as I know, in all the corporate levels that I've done, no one really has a branding department because they kind of throw it under marketing, which isn't like, I feel like it isn't fair because branding by itself does a lot. Um, and branding is really the core of the company at the moment because we're in such an early stage where branding is the number one thing that we have to worry about because we don't want to look trash. We don't want to look right. disorganized. Um, and that's basically, I think, the four or five departments. You know, I, I think we talked about branding for an individual level in mm-hmm. terms of, like, freelancing for Instagram and stuff. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about branding for a marketing and, like, a massive, like, or potentially big company. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what is the difference there between branding for an individual versus branding for a company? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are some places where they collide in terms of their yeah. similarities, but... Yeah. What are some of the major differences that you've seen in terms of branding for a company? Yeah, so when I was doing branding for myself as an individual freelancer, I think that gave me more time. Uh, I could easily build that up, just like our first episode about style. Mm -hmm. That was something that constantly changed, and it was easy for me to kind of maneuver through that. So one day I might be feeling this blue and green. The next day I'm feeling, 
I'm going to change my brand up to pink and red because I can. And right. that's my brand. But eventually down the road, if I become like a very, very heavy freelancer or a creative director, of course, I want to have a consistency there. But um, for a company, right off the bat, it needs to be consistent. You, you cannot have any room for um, any mistakes. Like your logo, the font and everything have to be precise because you are now being a rep- representation um, you cannot have any flaws in between because then people are like, what is like, so what's the difference of this and this? If I release two different logos, right? okay, what's the difference of this creative folks versus this creative folks? Is it the same? Is it not? What is the problem with that? So I always have to be mindful in terms of making sure our colors were consistent. The same color codes are being used. Like in my own personal freelance career, I could kind of switch it up every now and then. Like I can... I can use a lighter shade of pink if I wanted to, but in, in this field, it has to be precise because I want people to view view us as organized and consistent. Right. Absolutely. I think that's a great answer. Just but... like Nike too. Like, yeah. I mean, like you would never like think of Nike as anything else but the swoosh because they have built <laughs> yeah, right. the branding behind the swoosh to be theirs. I love that word, swoosh. <laughs> and people call it the swoosh. I don't even know if it's really a swoosh. It's a check mark, but it's a No, I, I call it the swoosh. I yeah. kind of like that better. The swoosh. But yeah, I, I think a bigger thing too is that, you know, as a freelancer, you, you're kind of your own little business and you are your head brander. Yeah. You're your head marketing person. But now here, you know, I hear all the time meetings with branding, you know, and they could think, you know, one way about your design and you mm-hmm. could think your design is hot shit. Mm-hmm. But then branding looks at it and you're like, whoa, stop. They're like, that is not hot shit. Yeah. And <laughs> th- I think that's one of the biggest differences about working as a freelancer, an individual yeah. versus working with a company. Because now I think everyone on board in that department has to kind of have the say so. Yes. And they're all involved. So I think that's, um, we had a couple of meetings about this, about the company and its direction. So what they really like, and this is another question later about our company culture, what they really like is that it's bottoms up management. Mm-hmm. So I really rely on everybody at the bottom. Uh, if you're looking at it as a pyramid uh, scale, I rely on everyone at the bottom to give me the ideas. Mm-hmm. I'm just the head per- person that gives the funding, pushes out their ideas and make sure it happens and make sure it's in line with everything that we are doing because I don't want marketing to push out like this cool concept and then branding is not on board with it. That That's not how it works. So that's something for later. But yeah, that's how we're run. We're kind of just reliant. So if men wanted to host like this certain episode of a podcast, more than nine times out of 10, I'm okay with it. There's rarely ever, I don't think that right. I said, no, we can't do it. Unless it was like very controversial or something of that Which sort. Which we don't really do. We tend to steal away from that. Yeah. I mean, we're just here to give advice to all entrepreneurs yeah. and all creative folks. And that's part of team building. It's just finding the compatible people to say no to you, but also align right. with what you're doing as a as a team absolutely yeah. and you know i mean for the most part i can speak on my own experiences with creative culture here mm-hmm. it is very very loose and we're very compromising i think the biggest word i would use oh. as a creative folk at here is that's what everyone here is <laughs> called we're a creative folk yeah i think for me the company culture it's very compromising that's the number one word i would use to describe it mm-hmm. is that you know if we have an idea it can be done yeah and it it probably nine times out of ten will be done. We just have to have number one a good reason for it. Number two, is it marketable? Is it on brand with mm-hmm. us? Number three, is it gonna build our audience mm-hmm. and is it gonna build our image or is it gonna hurt it? And I think as long as it passes those hurdles with green lights, then I think it's a go. Yeah. For what I've seen working here. Yeah. And most most of the time, I'm not saying I'm hella lenient. I don't think that's the case. I think I've built a team of people 
people are like-minded enough to where they're thinking of ideas that I haven't thought of and more more times out of likely I am going to go with their ideas because I've built a team that is more like-minded to me Mm -hmm. um it's just things that I haven't got to touch I haven't thought about but they're they're thinking in the perspective of me running the company they think that they're good ideas and they think it's going to move us forward so they're really just coming to me to approve it but more than likely, they already kind of foresee it being a good thing for us. One hundred percent. And another thing too at the creative folks is that we're not all yes men. You know? Oh no, no, absolutely not. And you know, me and Tammy, we have had our civil <laughs> head, disagreements. Headbutts. Yeah, we have we have headbutted it's before, civil. but we've never. I think we've never actually had a full on fight. No, never. I mean, we we have miscommunications. It, but um, it died the minute that we addressed the miscommunication, and most likely that is what happens with the other departments too. Whenever we have a disagreement, um. We talk about it, we get it settled, and then that's it. We right. don't talk about it anymore because we kind of understand from both perspectives. That, okay, right. my mistake for that or your mistake for that, whatever. And we're all adults, you know, so. Yeah. But, I mean, there's one question that, you know, we I want to actually move forward into yeah. talking about is that what is someone, you know, who you would say as a entrepreneur is not suited for the creative folks? Someone that you, and I know that's a difficult question. That is a really difficult question. I will answer. answer that because. Yeah. I do think there are people who are not suited for this position. And I think we've had, let me be careful with this. I think we've had someone who expressed their interest and I just decided not to move forward with it anymore because I feel like um, they were just not giving themselves any work to do. Right. Not to say like I, I'm not handholding them because at some point I feel like I was trying to help to handhold, like guide them in terms of like, here's what we do here, so this is what you would need to do. Are you okay with doing that or something of that sort? And um, they were just not self-leading. Everybody on the team has been able to give projects to themselves um, without me having to handhold. So, like, I would tell men, I need this done. Uh, Can you do it? If you can, let's move forward. If you can't, let me move it to another department to do. And it gets done. Yeah, and it gets done, and I entrust that whole process. Of course, we do check-ins, of course. It's not like I just give you a white sheet of paper and you run with it. It's not like that. It's of course a process that goes through, but everyone on the creative folks so far has worked with me for some period of time. So they understand my workflow and I understand their workflow and we work very well together. So, I mean, the person that would not be ideal is if you aren't self-starter, if you don't try to take on projects when you can, if you can't solve problems creatively, because we run into a lot of hurdles, which we'll talk about later, that require teamwork to fix. It does not mean that I, I can't just go fix it by myself because of x y and z i have things going on that i need you to handle and you are running that department or you are part of that department because i feel like you are a fit there so you need to right. do your part because i put you there because i think it would best affect you no, absolutely it would be best for you to be there no so. i i agree and that you know i think that advice i think that's what's great about that advice is that i've seen places where that advice could be so applicable anywhere for not just the creative folks but mm-hmm. most other companies you know mm-hmm. we don't want someone who can't figure out their own shit yeah. you know someone who mm-hmm. needs to constantly be handheld yeah. or someone who's not reliable i think that's a big one and not just yeah again not for the, just the creative folks mm-hmm. but just in general as a it business model hard. yeah yeah and back on the team thing too i think out of the entire team don't quote me on it but i think i'm almost correct i think there's only two people that have been on this team that i reviewed their resume mm-hmm. the other the other eight, nine, 
never reviewed a resume. I just knew that they would do well. I asked them, hey, do you want to be a part of it? If you do, great. If you don't, I'm not hurt, so don't worry about it. And, but- you know, this is not nepotism. We, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if Tammy, let's just, I'm just going to be real with you, because for those of you who don't know me or are just now tuning into this episode, yeah. we have worked together for about two years. Yeah. Out, two years, yeah, yeah. Before we joined this team together, mm-hmm. before we worked on this together. So if I was just completely new into Tammy's life, if I just walked into her life like a week ago, I promise you Tammy would look at my resume yeah. and probably look at my cover letter. And that's exactly what, what it was because our branding director right now, she came in as an intern and she's the one out of the two people, I think, that has um, showed me a resume and I based it off a resume. And Sheena is a completely new person. And Sheena is our branding person. She's a completely new person out of my circle that I've never met. That I, n- I never talked to her before. She went to school with us, but I never talked to her. She's in marketing. Um, and I, I reviewed her resume. And I didn't even, when I interviewed her, I didn't even care too much about it. I was just really wanting to have a conversation with her over, I think we did it over Google Hangouts or something like that. And I was talking to her. And I was like, this person, I don't know why, but the vibe is right. And so you, you get the internship. You know, it's so funny because I... Maybe it is a millennial thing. No, I think it, it really is a millennial thing. Yeah, or, feeling vibes and stuff. I don't know because, like, you know, you're not the first person to tell me that. Like, yeah. one of our guests that I want to bring on, he said the exact same thing yeah. as, a, as a person who literally hires people. Mm-hmm. You know, he says, I feel a good vibe with this person. Mm-hmm. I feel like they really sold themselves to me. Yeah. And, and she didn't even... Sheena wasn't even trying to market herself. I think just her conversation with me felt we were just like-minded, and I feel like you're an asset to my team that I really want. Right, And right. I have to do any... And I think at that time, how much I wanted Sheena, this is how I'm going to tell you, is that I had two positions for two interns. We already filled both positions, but I told the marketing department, I have to have Sheena because I feel it. I don't know why, but I feel it. I have to have Sheena. And we put her on board, and load and behold, like that second intern didn't show up. And we had to put Sheena on. Sheena, babe, if you're listening, we obviously love you. She ya. should be listening <laughs> to make sure this is on brand. Yeah. But Sheena, yeah. babe, we love you. Yeah. You're the greatest asset to our team. Um, I mean, just like everybody else, but like it, it was just the vibes between me and everybody that's on this team is correct to me. And I feel like that's why we stuck together for this whole year that we've been together. Like we're, we're celebrating our one year anniversary by this time, by the time this comes out. We've just been together the whole year. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, to be quite frank, no one gets paid on this team. I don't even get paid. I'm, I am the one collecting all the money coming in in terms of how we're making business, but all that money gets reinvested back into the business. Um, no one gets paid on this team, and they stuck out, and I'm hoping it's because they see the vision with me, and they hope to make that vision come true. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I mean this is our first year starting up, and you know, we all definitely have other jobs on the side, oh, yeah. and we're privileged enough where we can afford to work in this position and again like huge disclaimer we're both coming from a different place than like a lot of other people who might be struggling financially so i came this morning for this podcast 6 30 a.m like i drove out onto the highway Mm -hmm. while some people at 6 30 would have to work and i i I acknowledge that for sure for sure for sure so don't don't feel like we're Mm -hmm. cutting you out or anything yeah no like definitely so it's for everybody yeah absolutely but let's talk about business and the business model itself Mm -hmm. and I really really want to talk about the first year in making that model for Mm -hmm. yourself so we talked about how it was a blog Mm -hmm. we talked about how it was marketable Mm -hmm. and from there when you realize aha I'm I'm hitting something here Mm -hmm. where did you go from there in terms of your business model and your business plan Mm -hmm. 
So I think I projected the creative folks to last as a blog for over a year. So, and that, that has changed um, by the seventh month or so into this. So very recently, like relative to this podcast episode, recently we made the change into providing more services. So of course our entire model had to change. Of course it had to be consulted through all the teams to make sure that's a direction that they feel like we want to go into because if it's not, then we stop immediately. We don't move forward. We make sure that the project is something everyone wants to move forward with in order to move forward. And um, so how that just changed everything, it changed our workflow. So then that's when we invested into an office space um, because we felt like that, that was needed in order for us to work better. Uh, so all of these things came up, like getting the office space, getting how do we get clients. So all of, all of these things that I was learning and freelancing really helped reshape yeah, my business. Absolutely. Um, and so now we had to, um, I think within the past month, I'm trying to rethink on the timeline here because everything happened so fast. Again, we're doing everything within this one year span. And I, to me, compared to other businesses, I think, and a lot of other people are telling me too, that we're growing tremendously fast within one year, um, which made me kind of worried because I was like, are we moving like too fast? Like, should we slow down? Should we be like focusing more on something else, which we'll talk about later. But in, in all, I felt like we were moving sort of fast, but I, we, we adjusted quick. We changed things up. We made sure everything was branded on time, uh, branded correctly on brand, all of that stuff. So Hopefully that answered that. No, it really did. Yeah. I, I think that it is a growing, it is a big concern, but, you know, can you maintain this? Because, you know, a lot of businesses, like, I know this one company in Atlanta, they've been around for 60 some odd years. But 60? Like six zero? Yeah. Jeez. They've been around for some time now, mm-hmm. and they still only have, like, about 50 employees, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they kind of cut it there. Mm-hmm. And we're already at, like, 10 or 11 in our first year, mm-hmm. and... And I can foresee it growing, but a couple of people have reached out to me just recently too about uh, doing an internship here, mm-hmm. and I had to cut it because I it was just like firing a client in our last episode. I had to say no because I felt like it was too much to manage. And me being in the position of overseeing every single thing, I could see that everyone was stressing out on term. They're having fun, but stressing out on their own projects. There's just no room for us to grow anymore to to make sure that those inter- those interns got what they needed right. out of this internship period. And you know, for an intern. You don't want to be a do-nothing intern. Oh, yeah. Because the, then it gives us yeah. a bad rep. Like, oh, I, I didn't even do anything at the creative folks. That's how boring they are. Like, yeah, I like, I don't want you to get my coffee. Like, that's weird. That's so weird. And when we had interns, that's how Sheena came on board. I didn't make them go get me coffee. I didn't make them do anything. Like, I, I, I planned out three months of work mm-hmm. where they had work every single week to turn in to, to ensure that they had work to do. And I think every business needs to take up on that model. It doesn't even matter how many years you've been in business. If you have interns on board, you need to map out the three months, the six months that they're staying with you because you can't just have them, hey, men, come on into. And then I'm sitting the, there and twiddling my yeah, thumbs. Yeah, come like, into that's... the office uh, and we'll, we'll handle everything on that first day. And it's like, that doesn't work. You need to have mapped out plan by plan in terms of the projects. How can they help you? How can they learn from this? And also understand like, okay, they're coming in as an intern. They, they can't do everything. So you actually have to put out the time to hold their hand. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important. People don't understand that. Right, absolutely. And, and for interns, like, you really have to guide them. Like, and you yeah. kind of have to put, and like, I understand as somebody who is running so many different departments that it becomes really challenging to take on interns as well mm-hmm. and especially plan for things for them to do. Mm-hmm. But I'm really excited that we are taking on interns yeah. and that we're doing that. So 
I think most of our interns, actually, I've seen their work, and, you know, I've seen that they're very happy with what they're yeah. doing. I've seen them get employed, Yeah, which is, do. I think that's really cool. That they're, that's the end game for them is an employment, which mm-hmm. is really, really cool. She has, yeah, so she started off as an intern, and then at the end of her internship period, she told me, like, I really want to stick around. I think you guys have, like, a big thing going on here, and I really want to stick around for that beginning, and that's why she even became the branding director. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. So we built some connections through there. So, in terms of marketability, like, a lot of people, I feel like, you know, and you know this, I know this, a lot of people really kind of, I don't want to say look down on art, but Mm. they kind of, I want to say they don't value it as highly as other professions or Mm -hmm. other markets. Mm -hmm. So, the creative folks, we are artists for artists, by artists. What makes artists, in your opinion, marketable? Yeah, that's a good question, because I think... Because I am an artist, I was I can relate to them so much in so many different ways, from their struggles to their success. Every time someone like I hear a success story, when I hear you get um, a bunch of likes on something, I I understand that feeling to its core. It, it was recognized, and I'm I'm here trying to get recognized too. So I understand that struggle. I understood like everything that you were saying, um, and I think that's what makes it marketable is that it's relative because. Especially, I, I'm going in a very uh, specific direction here where it's niche-oriented. So, like, I'm geared toward artists. And there's a, a lot of artists here in Atlanta. So that's where right. I'm, I'm gearing toward that. And every city in the United States has a set of artists. It's just they're unseen. And I think that's part of our mission, too, is um, we have the section on our website that's for spotlighting artists. For right now, it's only open to Atlanta artists. It's not open to anything else. Uh, but that's our goal in the future is to actually make um, I guess you could call it franchises, but like an organization chapter in each city. And so when we have one in each city, we can dedicate that organization's time to that city's artist mm-hmm. versus like everyone's trying to get here into Atlanta. When right. I have one in New York, like, okay, you can just focus in on the New York people or the California people, the Idaho people. I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a market that's almost untouched, I feel like. And when I, when I tell people about the concept of the creative folks, they're like, wow, that's unheard of. And I, I've done my part of the research and I feel like, yeah, it's unheard of where there's an organization that's specifically for artists to get their resources from in terms of like, you can get it blog posts, you can listen to it as a podcast. We're doing workshops just oriented toward artists. Not, not everybody in the world is just artists. And there are a couple of like nonprofits that do something similar, which we're trying to partner with them, but in all, like, just one organization that does it, doesn't matter. Yeah, and I think that's really important to find your niche. No matter what, and this is for my creative entrepreneurs out there. Yes. No matter what your niche is, I promise you, if you thought of it, there is an audience for it. Yeah. I promise you. Because you are a consumer, and if you're consuming a product or if you have a certain lifestyle that you enjoy, nine times out of ten, I promise you there's an individual, who's, actually, yeah. multiple individuals. Yeah, who's like-minded and would consume the same thing absolutely yeah so i think the best advice on that front is find your niche Mm -hmm. audience because that niche audience i think they're a reliable market too because there's because they're so niche like there's Mm -hmm. not an audience there's not a place for them already yeah yeah so building on that niche audience building from them and building your business on them Mm -hmm. is so important like for example i have this one person who i used to work for he's a brilliant brilliant entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and i think that this is just so wild is that he has made a vast fortune mm-hmm. on just working with 
Cambodian clients. He's Vietnamese, yeah. but he also can speak their language mm-hmm. along with Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people who are from Cambodia who can't speak English. Yes. And he markets to them. And that's a very niche clientele. Yes. Very, very niche, I would mm-hmm. say, in the Asian community yeah. in America. But he really markets to them. And he has made quite a fair amount of money yeah. working with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my father, for example, his business, he speaks Vietnamese and French and English. Mm-hmm. So he's trilingual and he's built this incredible, incredible business model working with these niche people mm-hmm. because, you know, the Vietnamese community among the Asian community, we're not like a massive, massive community, mm-hmm. but building that niche, it actually has built, you know, a lot of people's businesses. Mm-hmm. So whether your niche is creative people, whether your niche is a certain com- community, a demographic, mm-hmm. As long as there's a, a market out there for them, you will fit in. I promise you. Yeah. And I think in part, it's building that branding behind it, too. Because if I didn't if I didn't call it the creative folks, mm-hmm. um, then there's no specific to it. And it's very open to other people. Then it, it kind of just becomes, oh, we're just one of those companies that does a lot of like workshops and stuff that teaches people this and that. Mm-hmm. No, everything that we do is geared toward that creative community, just like this podcast. It's for creative people, and when I say creative people, I'm talking about, like, all here, because the creative folks represents a lot of people, so people in culinary, people in fashion, people in music, not just your average painter or your average photographer, not not just that. It's right. way more and way above and beyond, and of course, like, we can't attend to everybody, so we're working our butts off, literally, to yeah. make sure that we can attend to as much as we can, um, and to be frank out there, I, I want to reach all of them. I want to reach all of the creative people here in Atlanta. Tattoo artists. I want uh, I want yeah. to get some of them on board. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I mean, each each little, because those are niche-specific niche, niche specific on their own as well, because mm-hmm. painters are one community, tattoo artists are in one community. How can we, as a company, reach out to all of them and connect in a way to make it, yeah, like, like I love the creative folks, I love their brand, I love their, and ideally it's just a lifestyle like creative right. folks in general. <laughs> so like other than, you know, cuz like we talked about finances as a big issue. Mm. Um and we talked about like, you know, finding other artists as an issue. And you know, this is the first year. Mm-hmm. So and yes, folks at home. Folks at home. Love you guys, but I am doing this project solely out of love. Yeah. You know, there is no money at the moment mm-hmm. coming in, but that is and that is an issue that we want I want to talk about mm-hmm. here like as a challenge yeah. but there are other challenges along the way so let's mm-hmm. talk about that yeah. because there's a lot of people out here my beautiful creative entrepreneurs who are listening to this mm-hmm. you know when you're starting out a business what are some of the other hurdles that um you'll run across um so outside of the finance part of it that's a big part so I work another job on the side to make sure that everything in the creative folks gets fed. I think we all do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's very normal. And that's another episode to talk about. You, Absolutely. You you can and you should probably work if you feel like you can't hold it up at the moment without it. Um, other hurdles is the competition out there in terms of like not um, not other companies doing the same thing. But the competition is within your own friend circles because I have people, I have, I have entrepreneurs on my Facebook account, like who are like, you know, like friends with me. And I would see them post all the time, up and early, rise and grind at 4 a.m. I'm not that type. Like I wake up at maybe 7 to get to work. But then if it's on a weekend, I get up at like 8.30, 9 o'clock. And I feel like, I feel like they put it down on me because I'm a little bit younger and they feel like 
oh, you, well, you don't get up at 5 at 4 a.m., so, like, I, I don't think you're a real entrepreneur or something of that sort. There, there's that hurdle, too. And other hurdles would be, like, when you have a big team, if you do have a big team, some creative entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs in general, they don't start off with teams. So I think I'm very blessed in that situation to have a team. Um, but if you do have a team, the part is paying them. And I recognize everyone's hard work at the creative folks, and I wish I could pay them more, but that becomes part of the company culture where how can I best accommodate in the meantime until I can? Because I'm working my ass off to make sure that we can build some type of brand to get everybody paid. Because at the end of the day, I want everyone to have a full-time job here. I want to have a full-time job. I don't want to be putting money in someone else's pocket. I want to put money in my pocket and your pocket. Right. I don't want it to do it for anyone else. Um, so that's that's that. And then being motivated. Because sometimes I wake up, like today, I was like 6.30 a.m. to record this podcast. I'm motivated, but maybe next Saturday I might not be. Right, so yeah. And like, what can I do? I have noticed that actually in this entrepreneur world about there is a little bit of a, a shaming culture. Yeah. I have noticed that actually. <laughs> and I did not know that when I first came in. I was just thinking like, wow, I joined all these groups on Facebook. Everyone seems so motivating and happy and working hard, hustling and grinding. And then when you add them as friends, um, they start commenting on stuff like, well, you're not waking up at five, so maybe you should try working at five. And I was like, I'm not a morning person. I'm yeah. an afternoon and person. You know what? This is like coming from my own personal experience. Yeah. I think something that used to really bog me down, it yeah. used to really upset me, actually. Yeah. I remember I was 23. I'm 24 now, but I remember. As if 23. I know, as if 23 ago. was like a lifetime ago. <laughs> but no, it really was a huge realization that I made. And I remember at like, you know, at 24, 23, I remember I was reading this article called, like, the 30 under 30. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, those articles, ooh, they used to, like, really get to me. I would feel some kind of way. And they do now to me, too. So, like, we both went to Georgia State. I'm part of the alumni uh, association there, and they released this recently, like, a 40 under 40. Yeah. And I was kind of hurt because I was, like, Wow, am I not doing enough to be yeah, on the am 40 I under not 40? Enough. Like and I would read these lists all the time thinking and their accomplishments and everything they did and stuff like that. It's like, oh, I guess I didn't accomplish that much. Yeah. And I I've noticed this kind of yeah, you're so right. There is yeah. this culture of like, am I doing enough in the entrepreneur world? Yeah. I always say to people, do not care about the thirty under thirty list. Yeah. It does not matter. I think that, uh, to be real with you, that is one of my goals. Like, I want to be under the 40, 40, 40 under 40 at Georgia State because I think, but because I take pride at Georgia State, I really love that I came from there. Uh, to people who live in Atlanta, who go to Georgia State or who have considered or anything like that, you understand that there's a culture be around Georgia State. A lot of people look down on it sometimes because it's in the heart of Atlanta. Homeless We're folks in, everywhere. in a city school. Yeah. City school compared to like one of those prestigious like outside schools or something. Like or an GA. open campus versus <laughs> or, campus. Yeah, something of that sort. And uh, there's a lot of things about it, but I take pride at being a like at being a Panther, being a Georgia State student. You oh, know? word, me too. So there's there's that too. <laughs> no, but my big thing for my entrepreneurs out there is that listen, there is no deadline for success. No deadline at all. I agree. And I think that you know, for me, it was a big thing for me to learn too. Like you know, I was re- I was reading these lists, like thirty under thirty, the forty under forty, and it just made me feel like so under accomplished. But at the end of the day, you are your own competition, and yeah. you're not. It does. It may not seem like it, but you're competing with yourself. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you should want everyone to succeed, mm-hmm. not just you. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. if someone else has success. That's awesome for them. Celebrate it. With Celebrate them. it with them. 
like and i think that's something that we need to talk about more in the entrepreneur circle that mm-hmm. might be for a later time mm-hmm. but yes that's definitely something that i've seen as well mm-hmm. and that's nothing to get bogged down with my creative entrepreneurs out there you're still struggling the struggle is real and your hustle is your own hustle yeah and it's just because every business even though there are a lot there, there's going to be more times where there's going to be more situations that you can compare to another business. So like the team thing, right? Every every business that has a team is always going to go through something with their team, mm-hmm. but no one goes through the same thing, exact same problems as my team does, just because we work in a different niche. So there are some over like the surface part of it is the same, but like there's the underlying part where how our team works, how our workflow works is different from other companies, and and. You have to understand that you cannot compare yourself, your business, or whatever it is you're doing. You cannot compare that to someone else's. Uh, maybe in terms of model, like, oh, okay, I want to kind of be like this. But right. you also have to understand there's differences, there's circumstances that you cannot compare to. Absolutely. And maybe you're a startup versus, like, a 50-year company. How are you going to compare the two on the same scale? Because you can't. So don't do it. Absolutely. You're going like, to be sad at the end. Yeah, no, for <laughs> sure. Fall gonna, up and cry. You're just, it's not going to work out. And yeah. That's, I think that's a big, so that's a big challenge. It's like that mental hurdle you kind of have to go through in your head. And it is, it's, it's a big hurdle to kind of overcome. And, you know, I'm not like, you know, saying I'm the best at overcoming it. I definitely still think, yeah, no, for sure. But let's talk about some more of the financial hurdles Mm. and some of the more physical hurdles, because I think the emotional ones are important to talk about for sure, because I feel like we don't talk about like, you know, emotional and mental health Mm -hmm. enough in our society. So I'm happy that you really went into that emotional and mental struggle Mm -hmm. because that's something that is important for our audience to hear. Yeah. But let's move on to the physical hurdles. So we talked about finances, but we also talked about, you know, team building and uh, like the team has to agree on pretty much every aspect, Mm -hmm. you know? So for me, like on my department, I can't speak for marketing or branding, but whenever, when I came up with this idea for the podcast with Tammy, you know, we had to get it approved by marketing and branding. Even if, even if I am the founder, I am the lead of everything. It doesn't mean that my approval is everything. So because me and Min came up with the concept, we have to send it over to another department just so that it's clear it always gets circled around right. to make sure the entire team agrees that this is a concept that has that can be done and can be moved forward with in order for us to profit as right. a business. And like for me, I remember when I was writing the content even for this, uh-huh. I remember I had to send that outline to Brandon yeah. for them to, and let's, let's just make this one thing very clear, yeah. is that <laughs> branding and marketing, their job is mostly just to say, hey, this is on brand, cool. Yeah. This is in marketing. This works yeah. as a marketing concept. Cool. Mm-hmm. Check mark. But their hands are not touching this yeah. in terms of editing mm-hmm. or in terms of writing the content. That's mm-hmm. on my department. Yeah, because if they put their hands into it, that's where most companies mess up is because they assume that one department can do everything. There's too many cooks. And then, I think. yes, too many cooks, too many hands in a cookie jar, however you want to refer it to. Too many hands, because at the end of the day, it's just me and Min sitting in this art cave <laughs> recording <laughs> yeah. this podcast. And the, the one that edits it is the person, like, we decide, like, Min is going to edit this one, Tammy's going to edit this right. one, something of that sort. Marketing and branding do not touch it. They may listen to it to just make sure, hey, you might want to, like, tweak that part or something like that. They're just the third eye or the other ear. Right. Uh, less, less of being involved in, like, physically, like, putting their hands onto it. I would say that's one of the biggest challenges, that organization yeah. that you have to have. So, like... And I think and I think yeah. that's a good thing to bring up because other departments want to put their hands onto, onto other projects, and I have to be the person that says, sorry, but you can't. 
And that's the only time when I feel like I'm a little bit more mean on it. And the reason why is because too many hands are on the table and I don't want that. Right. And it's not because I hate you. I don't, I don't like you. It's not like that. It's just organization because you have other things to worry about. So worry about the other things. I'll just send to you what I have ready for you and you just have to take a look at it. I feel like that also goes into finding people who you feel like you can rely on yes. to run these departments so efficiently. Yeah. Again, and and we're talking in the perspective that we have almost a perfect team here because not everybody's perfect, but I feel like we are working together effectively. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think that is a massive challenge because yeah. some people, frankly, they can't even organize their sock drawer, yeah. let alone like different yeah. departments. Yeah. And I think for creating a company, if you are blessed enough to have a team of people, that organization is quintessential. I think it's. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the first things you really have to think about. Yeah, and I mean, I want to say too, it's not. It's not based off of a resume, because a per- a person can perfect their resume to look good, but their work ethic, their it personality, shows. all of that stuff actually doesn't show on a resume. It shows in person. Right, so absolutely. if you're working with them, and you notice these errors and then you're thinking to yourself, wow, I, well, I didn't see that during the interview. It's because they're in that setting, they're polished. Right. They're, they're polishing themselves to look good in front of you. That's why I take my interviews interview process so carefully. Like I go in there and I make conversation. I One of my questions for the interview is how many emails and how many text messages do you have unread? Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people like raise an eyebrow at it but i'm like just tell me the answer and then mm. we, we can move forward also huge disclaimer here once again we don't believe in nepotism here no like <laughs> no, huge not disclaimer yeah, yeah, yeah like we just again like i said we have worked together for many years yeah. i would say like about two to three years yeah. before we started on here so like we do believe in looking at resumes here we, we don't, do and yeah. i'm never going to say like i'm never taking a resume and i'm not saying other companies should not take a resume because i think those are fundamental like a resume helps you outline a person's experience but at the end of the day there's more to the resume than just a piece mm-hmm. of paper because people come trying to polish for right. that interview because they understand it's an interview because i think when i talked to sheena we were on google hangouts but she was dressed very professionally right yeah, because yeah. She, she knew that it was an interview but i came in in like a t-shirt and like i had sweatpants because i was at home and i was like let's talk like I want to make a conversation I have your resume resume in front of me I see what you've done mm-hmm. I'm done with that part tell me a little bit about the experience but then that's it right. let's get to talking what have you been doing what do you want to do etc no absolutely and I think that's really yeah. important but for team the most building. part yeah no for sure but for the most part though your team is mostly comprised of people who you know on an intimate level mm-hmm. so I mean you and me we, we're first and foremost I think before we're business partners we're friends, we're friends you yeah. know so and I think that's one thing that's really difficult to separate a lot of people have brought that up it it is and it's something that you know and here's the thing a lot of businesses a lot of them i would say a good chunk of them you are not working with a random stranger at all would you say that's fair to say i think that's fair to say i think um and you're working with friends you're working with friends or you work with someone that you've worked with before even if you don't consider them friend friend like i'll go to your birthday party type of thing yeah but i'll go if you're like you inviting me out to dinner yeah i'll go to that we've done that before yeah like but here's the thing is that how do you separate that? Because, you know, you and me, we talk on a friend level, but we also talk on a business level. Yeah. But a lot of people, you know, they come to me and they say, man, like, you know, it, it has a strain on their relationship. Yeah. It can be very strenuous on yeah. their friendship. And they cannot separate their work and their um, professional and their personal lives. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the biggest challenges I've seen. Because, again, your team, it's mostly people who you are friends with. And how do you make that separation? between that work and that friendship level? 
I think for me, I have, it, I don't know, it's not code switching. It's just a light switch that's in me. When I'm on business mode, when that switch is on, then all things are serious. And I make that very upfront in all of my uh, first meetings with people, even with uh, people that I first recruited for the team. Look, I know we're friends. I think I said it to you, but I just don't remember what I said. But hey, look, we're friends. I know that. I get that. We're going to go out and eat lunch and all that stuff. And that's okay on a friendly level. But when we're talking business, I need to get things done. Yeah. I have things to do. You have things to do. Let's not waste each other's time. And I'm big on that. I don't like to waste time. If I promise you something, I will do 110% to get it to you on time. If there's anything late, I will always let you know that it's late. And that's my job as a founder is to be precise with you and be your role model. Because if I'm always late on everything, then you can be late on everything. Right, absolutely. And I saw that happen with um, actually our marketing and branding team was that I kept coming late to the meetings because I was not good at the time estimate thing where I was like, oh, like, I'll get there by 10 o'clock, and then sometimes I get there at 10.15. Right, right. And then eventually we started, everyone started coming at 10.30, and I told them, look, we have to switch it up. We can't do this. Uh, everyone has to be here 10 sharp because that's what I aim for. Right. And sometimes, of course, I'm still late, but um, but it, it, it rolls over because I am their role model. So I, I have to be able to split between, hey, this is a friend conversation, this is a business conversation, and I think everyone has taken me seriously so far. <laughs> I don't yeah. see anyone retaliating or anything. Oh, everyone, yeah, no, absolutely. Everyone has turned everything in so far. Some people um, some people have told me, hey, like, Min is one of them. Min has said, hey, I have this cool project. It's really taking over more than I thought it would, so can I just, like, have a week extension? Fine, that's And we're okay. totally cool with it. I mean, as yeah. long as I think, for me, and I'm talking from my personal experience now. Yes, that's what I really want to, yeah. to hear your... I think for me, as long as we're in communication with each other, I mm. think constant and effective communication yes. is quintessential. Yeah. Like, Tammy is very understanding. And, you know, this is on a personal level. I have had struggles with my mental health. Yeah. And, you know, Tammy, I have made that very clear to Tammy. I think men just called me randomly at 12 a.m. too and just said, look, I'm going through this. And I don't know what you think about it, but I'm going through it. So and, can you help me? And yeah. Like, and, you know, we talked. By all means. I think we talked for like 30 minutes on yeah. a friend level. Yeah. But then we also talked for like 30 minutes on like, okay, I'm dealing with this right now. Here's how it's going to Here's how work. it's going to affect my work. And I need you to know that. Yeah. And, you know, after that, we had that conversation on a personal and friend level, I think that it made us more productive. Yeah. And it made us more efficient. Yeah. And that's one of those things that you need to really, really keep into account. And it sounds so... I don't want to say like calculating, but you really have to think about, is this person going to be an investment in the company? And yeah. even if they are Absolutely. your friend, even <laughs> yes. if they are your friend, are they yes. an investment? And it's sometimes very difficult. It's good. It's good it, it is. It's really difficult to make that call. Yeah. And it's, I, have had a, I had had a couple of friends from Georgia State who um, I won't mention names, but they reached out to me. Hey, like I would love to be part. And I... I'm a very, uh, I don't know if men knows this, but I'm very strategic and I kind of underplay things like, but they don't notice it. So they told me they were interested and right. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, here's what I have. Here's all my projects and stuff like that. What do you think of it? And if it takes them two weeks to get back to me, you're unacceptable. Out. No, that's just unacceptable. And they haven't even started with me. I'm just asking for opinions. I'm just asking, okay, so when would you like to start? How about you give me a start date or something like that? Just based off of that that length of communication, I could tell whether or not you are part of my team. And this person has been my friend since elementary school. So even for this person, I didn't accept them on my team. I didn't even put them there because I was like, you are not an investment for me. Mm -hmm. And I, again, yes, I hate to treat it I as hate, if yeah, I, I hate to say it like I that. I don't want to but... treat you guys as if it's like my uh, my little minions that I put money into. It's not like that. 
investment meaning can this person turn this thing around and make it into what we envision, I think, envision it to be? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but yeah. I think when you say investment, I mean, are they an asset to the team? Yeah. Like, and will they think the investment team? is money, and yeah. it's not. It's not, not money. It, it's also investing, like, your energy to this team. Yes. It's also an investment for the benefit of the group as a whole. Yeah. And I guess to, to explain that a little bit better, too. So knowing that men goes through a lot of mental things going on, okay, I get that. So is that worth an investment for me to make sure to accommodate that when men need right. to accommodate it, accommodate it? And yes, at that time, I said, yes, absolutely. I will get my part covered, and whenever men is ready and to work again, I, Nine times work. out of ten, I will get my work done. Yeah. There's been... Never a time. There's never been a moment. And I think that it's also an accountability on the employee's part as well. And yeah. it definitely is. Oh, and I can't tell you, like, I've, I've had some teammates who just kind of... Um, slacked on me a little bit and I had to put my foot down on it like hey I know I'm not paying you but look if you want this to become a real thing we have to work if I'm putting my 100% in you need to put at least your 99% and I get everyone has that 1% that may be a flaw maybe a mental health thing and I'm all about it we can talk about it but yeah and that's that's, that's really big in our company culture is that we love mental health here we we love like I, I think you know, the company culture, it comes with the branding as well. So I actually want to talk mm. about that, you know, because we, we mentioned company culture a little bit in terms of, like, you know, our um, payment system, which isn't existing yet, but it will happen. Yeah, I'm glad <laughs> you think that it will come. That's it will good. come. Because no, but, I was starting to, I was kind of starting to think about, like, will they just start, like, leaving me because I'm not paying them? I'm trying my best If for those listening. I'm really trying. Like, I, I buy them all lunch when I can. Uh, when we're about to have a company dinner that's all paid for, like I will pay for everything. I make sure those ends meet. It's just I can't give a consistent pay because I don't want to promise. Right. I don't want to promise like two grand a month and then you're short like a thousand each month. No, absolutely. <laughs> that and would be so bad on my part. No, and I agree. And I think we're all here because, you know, I do have a, a side job. You have a side job. Yeah. Like, you know, but we believe in this and it is a labor of love for a lot of it. And that, that is part of our, cry. no, it is, it's part of our company culture though. Yeah. And I think I want to talk more about building a company culture because I know some people and I, I want to pick your brain on this really. Yeah. I know a lot of people when they build their business, they envision a company culture mm-hmm. and they, they want their company culture to be this way, exactly like this, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes it doesn't work like that. Yeah. And so as a business owner, as someone who is a creative entrepreneur, when you build a company culture, do you build it organically? Like, did this company culture come about naturally, or did you envision a company culture in like how people would dress, how people would act? Did you? In, I mean, you can't control how people act, but did you? In, sure. Obviously, yeah. but did you envision like a certain dress code? Did you envision a certain kind of environment, mm-hmm. or did it come about naturally? Yeah, it was very organic to okay. me. Um, I did have some things in mind in terms of like I wanted us to be relaxed. I don't ever want us because like we're here in leggings, PJs and like sweaters and hoodies. Like this is us right now working on this podcast. We're drinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm drinking water on the side. I want us to be relaxed. Um, I think everybody that attends the meetings, they never have to dress professional. The only thing I request of them is when we go out to events or anything like that, be branded. Have your company t-shirts. Absolutely. Um, uh, I don't care for holes in jeans. Like you can wear them if you want to, but don't come in here with like highly distressed. Yeah, don't come in with like a whole your whole thigh is open, or anything like that. You know, like I want us to look sharp. I want us to look clean, but I want us to look fun. I don't want us to be like that corporate level. You of know, America. I've noticed that with like 
I'm just gonna pick on millennials for a minute. I've noticed that with millennial business because I've worked in that might be what it is. We're a millennial. I, business. I think it is because I've worked in environments with um, people who are more experienced and yeah. seasoned. I'll say that seasoned, yeah. they're more um, in the business, yeah. and you know I've worked in environments where it's like blazers every day, yeah. or like basically like all black, very uniform. Yeah. But I, I I cringe at that. Like I cringe when I have to see if I have to wear a business suit to work. I feel okay if it's for that day. If it's, like, a special occasion, sure. Like, that's, mm-hmm. like, plain dress-up. But if it's an everyday where I have to wear that all the time, I feel like I'm not being myself. I feel like I, I'm being constricted into this mold that isn't fit, and that's why the creative folks doesn't run that way. Because... I think it's very cookie-cutter. Yeah, it's... And cre- the creative folks is so open. Like, it, I just feel like when I created it, I was just accepting people. Like, we had those two writers. Even this person from London like wanted to write for us and I, I took it in and then we also have this section um, called Belly Drum which is our food review um, which they're releasing more in 2019 but they they came on and they said like hey I wanted to do food reviews but I don't know what I wanted to do in regards to it and I said how about I take it up I take up the concept of the food reviews and you'll have basically a company to back you in terms of your projects like you can do whatever you want but it's going to be in the name of the creative folks and they were totally okay with that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how open I made it so that anybody can really be inclusive on it. And that's why our company culture is the same way. It has formed into that. Of course, in the future, if we run like a corporate level, like we have like one of those skyscrapers in Atlanta. I want some type of uniform in terms of not clothing. Be respectful of each other. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to give you the freedom to dress however you like, bring whatever pet you want to bring, then just respect me, respect your peers, respect coworkers. Don't disrespect anybody. This is like basic human decency. And then, yes, and it's so basic that people don't understand it. That's how freaking weird it is. I I think it's fascinating that people don't get that. (laughs) Yeah. Because, like, there are companies that have a very strict brand. Like, for example, Disney. I'm going to pick on them. They have a very strict. Yeah. A very, very strict. And I think it's their audience. It has a lot to do with, like, hey, we're a company for kids, so don't go out here Mm -hmm. disrespecting kids or, like, Like, not doing... Well, for example, I knew... um, Actually, I had a, a former coworker mm-hmm. who was a Disney princess. Hmm. She actually worked as a Disney princess. Wow! And she was Mulan. And cool. yeah, I thought it was so cool. I mean, Mulan is my favorite. Yeah. So I was meeting like a former Mulan. Yeah. But it's so wild because I can't even list her name in yeah. this podcast because Disney is so strict on their imagery. And I remember basically she had to say that, "Oh, I am a friend of Mulan." Mm-hmm. Like she couldn't even say, "I I play Mulan." Mm-hmm. She says, like, they control almost every aspect of that. And I think that might be in part two because of how how long they've been here. Yeah, they've been uh, around so for maybe a long time. I don't want to contradict myself because maybe in, like, ten years from now, maybe I have to be that restrictive because maybe something happens ten years down the road mm-hmm. where I have to say, like, hey, don't tell people that you work here because you're you're ruining our reputation or something of that sort. I don't know what the, the circumstances are. Yeah, I don't know. What, that. And that's something that yeah. we have to think about when it comes down it the comes. line. And for right now, that's why I'm saying it grew so organically. It kind of just grew along as we go. We do have like a company culture standard on our website in terms of like how we treat each other, how we treat our projects. It's diverse. Uh, one of them is diversities because our team is so diverse and I always want it to be diverse. So that's part of the company culture is introducing you to new diverse thoughts diverse people diverse thinking all of this stuff and the next important one is family so i feel like every single person on this team eventually has to talk to each other has to work together so you might as well make it comfortable and become family because this is going to become a second family yeah it is or third fourth fifth whatever you know (laughs) and i think that like that is really important for a company culture but you know we talked about disney we talked about bigger organizations what is something along the way 
that, I mean, because right now it is very organic, but what is a massive change that you would predict that would make you have to be a little bit more like Disney, a little bit more branded like them, a little bit more, shall I say, strict like Disney? Yeah. yeah. I think what would make me, I'm talking on a personal level from this too. Absolutely. What, what would make me more strict is if you disrespected something right. within this company where like you just flat out, like say like you. And just for clarification, do you mean an individual or do you mean a multiple individuals for you to make it's this kind of thing like if you are that one person in this company and you just like entirely just like made me lose respect for you mm -hmm. that might be the time when i'd make it more strict like if you're if you're coming in here like flashing people every day <laughs> maybe i should require everyone to wear a certain style of clothing that cannot be <laughs> cannot be like that you know something like i that feel sort. like that person just be fired yeah <laughs> and I, I mean i would hate to be like that person because i'm all about you know expression like be free because that's our whole concept as we're marketing to artists is to be free to be yourself but then at the same time if you're kind of making it uncomfortable for other people i can't have that because right. my in the future when we're making money the money is coming in because of this team so you cannot disrespect that and i think that's so important to me is family and team right. if we don't build that time then it's it's just like that's when i have to become more strict like you guys we have to get more gatherings together we have to work together more something of that sort Right, and we talked about like the finances, but I want to really dedicate this final segment before I talk about the final questions about finances. So this is going to be a, money. yeah, this is going to be a very intimate part of this conversation. And you know, if there's something cool. that I ask you that you know we can't just divulge because there are some questions that the audience wants to know. Sure, um, I'm open to it. Yeah, but if you can't divulge it, just feel free to say I can't divulge it. Um, so let's talk about like where the finances are right now like mm. what is the most lucrative part of the business at the moment in terms of which one is making more money or yeah what is making the money yeah and in terms of budgeting mm -hmm. and in terms of how you're using that money okay as a startup okay and i'm very open to that actually okay. because i want people to learn uh, because i hadn't i mean i'm sure i could have taken like those those business courses on facebook or something mm -hmm. but i really wanted to take on this head-on uh, without any guidance because I wanted to learn of course like every now and then I would be researching something but uh, to answer the question part of it so the the thing that's making the most money for the creative folks is our art shows we go to art shows at least once a month we're not going to any as of right now during this podcast recording but um, in 2019 we're projecting every single month to go to one and um, I cannot say really in terms of how much we make toward each one because it, it varies sometimes we release really good content to where we're making hundreds and then sometimes we're re not releasing too well and we made like 60 bucks maybe 100 right. maybe um uh and on that part that's where most of our money is coming from is merch sales but in 2019 i project us making more money from our events we could be doing uh workshops we could be teaching other things we could be partnering with a bunch of other companies we're also releasing these services where we're doing and we're looking for sponsors is that correct sponsors partners all of that okay yeah and um working on projects that include the services of design. We're doing design services. We're doing headshot sessions. Uh, we're doing brand photography. All of this stuff. All of this stuff to make more money in terms of revenue of income, like a streamline of revenue. I meant, and um, I think that's so important for a business is to understand like there's going to be more than one way to make money, and you have to explore all those options. Absolutely. So in that part, um, and I project us making more money by next by in 2019. Absolutely. Um, and the budgeting part of that. Yes. That's yes, where that's it the gets so heavy because it's kind of like you have to be in control. Sometimes I can't, I don't want to eat a sandwich because I'm like, 
that. Five bucks could have been at the Creative Folks, or I don't get a drink because those two bucks could have went somewhere. And that's how you have to kind of nitpick it. I don't want to say, like, be, like, entirely cheap to where you can't even eat. Uh, Not like that. But sometimes when I feel like, well, I have a frozen dinner in the fridge. Um, I can just eat that. I don't have to go out to Burger King and Mm -hmm. get a, a burger or something of that sort. And when I'm making this, when I'm collecting this money at these art shows, I make sure I'm very particular on money. Every dollar that is earned, it gets separated correctly. So I've made this percentage in my head. So like the biggest, so the creative folks is separated into departments. The creative folks as a company, the big part of it, gets 50% of everything that gets made during that day or during that art market. And then it gets trickled down into production. Editorial has a budget. Marketing has a budget. Branding has a budget. So it trickles down that way. And so that every department's earning based off of this and again I don't think it's entirely too fair so that's why I'm thinking of new ways to make money uh for the company itself I mean we have so many plans it's just like right no definitely do but and part of it is just staying in control not not assuming that oh because I have this x, x amount of money I can just spend it all no you can't you you have to think right, about because we have to rent the office space yeah, we have to rent yeah. a lot of booths yeah and what part of that is like going toward this and what part of it is going into savings so, so like say the uh, the editorial department, I split it fifty fifty. One part of it is for savings. One part of part of it goes toward whatever editorial wants to spend on. And so far, editorial doesn't spend on anything. So I guess what I would say for the spending part is, marketing might be the next person to be spending a lot of money because they want to buy pens. They want to buy all of. We also stuff. talked very briefly about stickers. Yeah. So like stickers and branding merchandise, or like just branding things, branding collateral. That's part of marketing to decide what what they want to bring on. Okay, so budgeting. Hopefully and, that helps. Oh yeah, no, that that's I think yeah. that answers the question Staying pretty well. Staying in control. Staying in control of your budget mm-hmm. and, but let's talk about your personal finances. About like you know, because a lot of creative entrepreneurs, they mm-hmm. kind of have to, quite frankly, they have to self fund their projects. Yeah, like and I do self fund the creative folks. So I so, mean, like I'm not like filthy. I'm not like I don't have like just spare change right absolutely but i make sure so like if for example um this isn't relative and this isn't correct so if i make a thousand every two weeks um a big chunk of that goes back into my personal savings because again the creative folks can fall out at any time like would you say like i mean i'm just throwing out numbers these are not real numbers but like you know let's just say you did make hypothetically a thousand dollars a month Mm -hmm. at your um, other job. Mm-hmm. So you made a thousand dollars a month. How much of that one thousand dollars would go to the creative folks? Five hundred. Five hundred. I could tell you off the bat that almost half and fifty percent of my money goes okay. back to the creative. And then folks. the other fifty percent goes to your personal mm-hmm. savings account. And then if I, for example, if we're taking that example, that five hundred that goes to my personal, more than I want to say eighty percent of it goes into my savings. The the remaining percentage goes to me spending. So like I mean, of course I still have like to pay for gas. Like food and gas and food, gas. Maybe and that random. I like this squishy thing. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Yes. That's like that's like a treat day. Yeah. When I when I can afford it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I feel like yeah, that that is ideal, and I I feel like I want it. Or sometimes I'm buying gifts for somebody. I want right. to have like that extra spending money to be to make sure that I can I don't have to like struggle struggle. Um. So that's important, but. 100% that 50% that goes to the creative folks I never touch it goes into its own separate thing that's away from my wallet that's away from my bank account I don't touch it at all until needed for the creative folks right and so, just to be clear for the team members listening to I don't touch your money whatsoever <laughs> not I mean, that they I, suspected that I did but no we love you we know you I like to be clear no we, we know you're not shady yeah. you're I'm not, not doing some white collar I would never <laughs> I would never take a penny 
from something that was earned by the production team because that's their hard-earned money. I was just the face of it. I was no, just absolutely. the one pushing it out. I didn't even do anything. <laughs> so yeah. I think that that's really important to talk about is like, you know, as somebody who is, you know, you're very self-funded on this, mm. but let's just talk about someone who, for example, that may not be in that, that, may not be in that position because there, there are some people out there who might not be making a thousand or two thousand a month Mm -hmm. they could be working a part-time job but they want to start like you know business and you said you started off as a blog like that's kind of a relatively inexpensive yeah would you say that that's relatively it was when i first started i think to set up everything was like 14 dollars for um the whole year for the blog for the website to be up Mm -hmm. now that i i just recently paid to renew it it was only 14 bucks but 14 bucks to keep the website up and can I think of anything else? I think that's it. Right. If you if you're if you're lavish and you want to spend, you can spend on a company email, but you don't even need that. Yeah. I didn't even get it until like later on down the road when I started meeting interns and I wanted to be professional. Right. And like I want to ask, like you know, what are some resources for creative entrepreneurs to start off their business? Mm-hmm. I think. Oh my god! Like just read, read articles, and don't just take the first article to be like staple like i need to follow this article because i it's the first one i read no read into other people how did they run businesses um be able to read through scams because sometimes people say make 68k in your first year cute yeah (laughs) like thanks like i like that seems a little bit sketchy you know and they're, they're not really talking about the process and how they did something and in part reach out to people who you know who run businesses if you don't you can talk to us yeah. we're more than willing and to guide you in we take questions content. on yeah. the creative folks we yeah. take questions on this podcast we love your questions yeah. in terms of anything like if you if you just have a question join groups on facebook that's how i did it i joined groups on facebook that's why i even started the blog because i was commenting on these threads like 200 comments i was one of the 200 i'm just commenting like long paragraphs i'm like why am i why am i commenting on facebook when i can write a blog post right. let's open a blog and i told my boyfriend that i was like let me just open a let me just open a blog because I'm tired of giving people free comments and they're not they're not giving me a heart react or anything and I'm just really sad. So let me open a blog. And right. that's how the creative folks even started was because I felt like I could do better on a blog platform. Mm-hmm. But then all these people started joining and uh, I think we stayed as a team of 10 people, 10 to 11 people for a good six months together. So I think that says a lot about our teamwork um, and I project us being together even longer. All right, brilliant, brilliant. And I think that- Was that a good ending? No, I think that is a good ending. But <laughs> I think the the official ending we'll talk about, and again, feel free to share how much of it you want. I know we have a lot of projects that are a little bit more under the table for yeah. right now, a little bit more under wraps. Yeah. So what is next for us in 2019 and beyond? What What is going on that you would care to share? Yeah, so I think we're going to start a college tour um, by the time this release, we might already have that. But the college tour is basically us visiting all these colleges in the metro Atlanta area and teaching them, uh, teaching them from maybe art related or not art related, maybe more of like, here's how to launch your freelance, because I consider marketing people to be creative people because it takes a lot of creative energy to be a marketer. You are a problem solver. Yeah. At the end of the day. Creatively problem solving here. It's not like you're you're just thinking of stuff on the internet and then yeah no absolutely you're literally thinking through the problem so doing these college uh tours to like workshop with people teach them like resume tips or interview tips and these will be paid and financed yes these will they will have to pay for these services yes and um i mean a couple i want to host for free just to get the feel for it to see how people react to us but then of course there's going to be some that's um 
paid. And then we want to release a membership by the end of next year. And who will be leading these um, tours? Will they be people on your team? Will they be people that you've hired on extra? Um, it's mainly our team because I because this past year in 2018, I've done so much of them. I've went to podcast episodes. I've taught all these workshops. Mm-hmm. I want everybody else on the team to have that experience. Because one, I do think that's how I'm going to keep them. Is that when they feel like I'm making an impact here. So I'm going to stay at the Creative Folks versus like me doing everything, right. Tammy getting all the spotlight, Tammy's the one teaching all the workshops, so I don't have to do anything. I'm just the labor in the back. Right. That's not the case here. I want the teammates, even men, to even teach oh, no, absolutely. Because every now and then, like the Photoshop thing. Here's the deal. Like, yeah, I, I've been working with Photoshop for many years yeah. now. I've pretty experienced it. I can even animate in Photoshop, which I would love to lead a that's lecture cool. on. Yeah. And that's something that we actually talked about individually. Yeah. So I, I know a lot more about what we're doing. Again, we can't divulge everything, yeah. but that's something that... But you that, can subscribe to our newsletter and stay tuned. Yeah, that <laughs> information in the uh, notes below. Yeah, notes. But, um... We've, do- we've talked individually yeah. about, like, the plans, and I'm definitely very interested in leading yes. a lecture on Photoshop. Yeah. And also my freelance work. I'm mm. I'm an experienced freelancer. I know how to talk to clients. I know how to talk to – and we had a whole episode on that. So Basically, yeah, our podcasts are another version of teaching workshops. We can just take our discussion into a workshop format. That's all it is, and I think that's just the smarter way of doing it, mm-hmm. taking our content – recycling it into different mediums for us to renew so that we can define our value a little bit better. Oh, no, absolutely. And a mm-hmm. lot of the things that we talked about in the podcast, I've actually written articles about. That's right. Yeah, yeah I have, like, a couple episodes were actually articles that I wrote, and I'm just like, you know what? I think this would be so much better explained mm-hmm. because an article can only go so far because I have a word count mm-hmm. that I have to meet, yeah. and there's so much more I want to say outside of that word count. Yeah. So I think that this is definitely a more... I a creative solution yeah. to the article problem that we had with the work count. And again, it's part of um, me thinking as the overhead, as on top of the surface, how can I make everyone's content, everyone's ideas profit better? So like men originally started as a writer, okay, but then we moved away from the blog a little bit because we felt like, okay, we're, we're spending and then, a lot of time yeah, on the blog. You and me, we just workshopped a new idea. Yeah, and, and we, we were like, how can we make this better? All right, podcast. And then next after the podcast. Probably video. Video. Probably. YouTube. So Most likely. We're creating all these avenues to define ourselves better because, again, we're still a startup. There's and still so much room for Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's something that we're looking forward to is, like, we're looking forward to working with these changes. And a lot of things, you know, in the future we can't say, not because we are hiding things, but also because we don't know for sure yeah. where it could go. At some point when I started, um, I literally thought of the creative folks in the shower. Like I, bro, like when, the best be, ideas before it started, I was like, "What can I name it?" Like I thought of like creative hustle. This is free for anyone to take the creative hustle, creative hustlers, something of that sort. And uh, the creative folks just rang, and it just made sense. And then ever since I ran with the creative folks as the title, ideas started popping up. So we had we can have memberships. Mm-hmm. We can have. Um, I even thought about like one day just uh, buying up an office area mm-hmm. and then calling it the creative folks but it's a co-working space which right. is an I- idea out there already so it's not like anything new here but it's been out there where it's called the creative folks a space for creative people because creative folks right. so i was like this name is just perfect and i'm gonna monetize so you can't even steal it because it's gonna be, <laughs> be trademarked very soon all right so so i think we covered a lot of ground today yeah. and i'm excited for 2019 yes. i think it's gonna be a big year for us yes so yeah look out for our workshops look out for us join our newsletter to hear more 
if you want us to come visit your school yeah let us know yeah let us cool. know we would love to come i would love to teach um anything and then i'm pretty sure the team is very on board on, in terms of teaching any, anything yeah that we can based off of our experience i think the entire team we know a lot about the adobe suite yeah we know a lot i'm we work teaching of. myself maya right now yeah. actually oh, cool. yeah it's, it's been a struggle let me tell you <laughs> But See, even after we're working um, with the creative folks and working our own jobs, we're still learning more on top of everything that we do. So it's a constant learning journey for us. Yeah, it is. And we encourage that for everybody. For to sure. Always learn. All right. Always I think that's learning. a wrap. Yeah. Thank you so much for talking about the creative folks. Yeah, today. I enjoy being the first guest of <laughs> our own podcast. That's yeah, yes. But we'll actually have another guest coming on very soon. soon. I am finalizing the details with him. He's a really cool dude. I really, really look forward to having him on. I can't say much for right now, yeah. but I'm excited to have him on. And yeah. we'll talk about it next time. Yeah, whenever that happens. Whenever that happens. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. right. Peace out. Bye. What's up, y'all? Tammy here. Thanks for joining us on this episode of our podcast. If you're interested in becoming a podcast guest, email us. Let's talk at thecreativefolks.org. See you in the next episode. Let's hustle.